So I'm Mary Taws, Communications Advisor with the International Law Research Program at CG, and I am speaking with Una Fitzgerald, the Director of the International Law Research Program, who is in Marrakesh right now for COP22. Hi, Una. How are you? Hi, Mary. I'm very good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Still making sense of the last 24 hours of, of news, uh, like many other people. Uh, and thank you for being with me today. Uh, I'm calling you to get a sense of what the tone is like in Marrakesh and what we can look for in terms of climate change policy and the climate change file uh, now that we have the results of the U.S. election. So first off, what is the tone like on the ground in Marrakesh? Um, I'd say the tone is polite. You see a lot of very tired exhausted and stunned people walking around. So as soon as you do engage in discussion, there's a lot of um, reflection upon what has happened in the United States. So I would say that um, there's a sense of um, some unease, but also that the work is so important that's being done here at COP22, where we're finally going to be um, beginning the work to implement the new Paris Agreement, there's a sense that uh, we just have to keep moving. And speaking of the Paris Agreement, I know a lot of observers are speaking about this today, that on the campaign trail, Trump said he would scrap uh, a lot of items pertaining to environmental policy. So anything from President Obama's greenhouse gas policies in the Paris Agreement. Uh, also, he said he'd got the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Uh, to what extent, I guess, a high-level view, is it possible for um, – uh, Trump to make these changes happen, and what would the timeline be like for those things? Well, um, I guess um, uh, Mr. Trump said many things on the campaign trail, which could uh, lead to concern if you're worried about climate change. Um, and he certainly was talking about um, not addressing climate change, but more uh, getting into uh, you know more jobs in coal and fracking and that sort of thing, which is not really going to help the, uh, the climate change issues that we have. Um, I mean, now he's in a different position. He's the president. He will be the president of the United States. And it may be that um, some of his ideas that he put out in the campaign were just, um, you know, rhetoric for, for campaign purposes and that he will be more reasonable um, with the, on these issues. It's hard to know, um, and I don't want to be overly optimistic. We just did a panel on technology, uh, clean technology, and geoengineering, and uh, and finance to help address climate change. And I must say that for me, um, I do see uh, a ray of hope in that um, he's a lot of the concerns he's talking about is the Rust Belt, the people who don't have jobs because of the changing, the transitioning of industry. Well, if, if the U.S. would get deeply into the clean technology movement and start to transition to a green economy, that would be a way to create new jobs, you know, and develop new skills, new, new education so people can participate in that kind of an economy. And I think that's a point where there could be some common ground and it might sort of steer the policy away from the uh, very combative policy that we heard during the uh, the election. 
On that positive and forward-looking note, what, what do you think are some next steps that can be taken for those who are looking at ways to implement the Paris Agreement and look toward different uh, clean technologies uh, to meet those goals? How do you think that can start to happen? Were there any insights from the panel? Uh, there's, there's some amazing work already being done. There's been, you know, work going on since 1992, really, you know, since the Rio meetings, where people have been looking at this issue about how technology can contribute to um, helping countries get supplies of clean energy and uh, and also to save energy and, and the way they they produce things and the way they live their lives. So a lot of institutions have been developed that help to connect innovation with finance and with the need in, in another country. So um, within the UN framework, you've got the CTCN, which, um, which does this kind of work, connecting money, technology, and needs and suppliers. And within the World um, Intellectual Property Organization, there's a there's a uh, sort of a, ne- a network for uh, connecting technology, IP ideas with needs and with people who want to build a, a value chain in clean technology. So there's all kinds of ideas like this that are already in practice. And while there are some challenges, you know, there's more money that's needed here. Um, I think I think we're on, on a really good track there. And obviously, those who start down this path early will have the advantage of of being uh, first movers. And so, you know, that's how you get a, a, a green economy. And as for the Paris Agreement, you know, the work now is to create the role, the rule book to sort of give more detail about what the Paris Agreement means. So that work has to continue and will continue hopefully over the next, um, well, it starts in earnest next week, but that, that's the work of the moment right now. And the way the Paris Agreement is worded, in fact, it, it does allow a lot of activity to be done from the top down, uh, sorry, from the bottom up rather than top down. So it's not like the Kyoto Protocol where you really have to um, meet a certain national targets and that sort of thing within timeframes. It really does allow each country to take its own approach to making commitments and achieving its commitments. So one would hope that the more flexible style of the Paris Agreement will make it somewhat more pal- palatable for those who are reluctant to address these issues. The other thing is there's going to be another report from the um, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which will give even more dire news about the climate. Um, I'm I'm not sure the exact timing of that. I believe it might be next year. And, you know, when that information comes out, clearly there'll be a need to take urgent action. So I think we just have to keep moving forward in this area. Well, thank you, Una, for giving us an overview of what we can look for in terms of implementation and what's next for the Paris Agreement. I really appreciate it. You're most welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And so for our listeners, uh, you're welcome to follow us on Twitter and on Facebook at CG Online. And you can follow what our CG experts on the ground uh, at COP22 are involved in this week and next.